All right. Well, good morning. Can we try that again? Good morning. Everybody sounds a little tired. Are you guys hitting that midsummer slump where you've been running for six weeks and then you realize, oh my gosh, we've been like playing and going to bed at 10 or 11 p.m. and you're exhausted and you're like, this shouldn't be it. Isn't summer supposed to be relaxing? Does that resonate with anybody? Just me. Okay, never mind. You can scratch that. All right. Well, good morning. It's a privilege to be up here today, and it's so fun to see so many new faces. If I haven't met you yet, I'd love to connect with you um, afterwards. But we are in the middle of a sermon series on hope and Friday night movie nights. And before I forget, because once I get going, I will forget, this Friday night, the movie that I'm going to be talking about today and the movie we're going to be watching on Friday night is the movie Just Mercy. Okay, it is at 6.30 p.m., All right, Friday night, Uh, I believe it's, I forgot to look, I think it's rated PG-13, I can't remember, PG-13, okay, so look it up, Uh, I will let you give your discretion if you want your children to come, we'll have popcorn pop, but we will be here at 6.30, um, and you can come and watch it, phenomenal movie, which I will be talking about. All right, so, Just Mercy, I'm just curious, how many of you have seen this movie? Okay, about half of you, okay, perfect, so, It is about, this is based on a true story, uh, real life people, about, um, it talks about a lawyer named Brian Brian Stevenson, who is Michael B. Jordan. Any Friday Night Light fans? Friday Night, okay, oh my gosh, people. Okay, come on, you gotta work with me. I'm used to teaching kids here a lot. So there, you guys are so quiet. I always have to like, you can murmur amongst yourselves. It feels better actually, okay. (laughs) I've been so used to children. All right, thank you. Gary's putting his hand in his heads right now, so we'll, we'll get back. Okay, all right. It talks about a lawyer named Brian Stevenson who has actually dedicated his life to fighting for those who are wrongly convicted, the young on death row, and really the marginalized of society. Today he leads something called the Equal Justice Initiative. And not now, but I really do encourage you to take a look at his organization and some of his talks. If you just Google his TED Talks or podcasts, an incredibly fascinating, brilliant thinker and humanitarian. But this initiative that he leads with um, other lawyers has uh, really, really brought justice to the forefront of our society and has come with some really incredible landmarks. Um, In 2019, he and his team won a ruling protecting condemned prisoners um, on death row who suffer from dementia, okay? And then in 2012, this was a huge ruling, it actually, the Supreme Court banned mandatory life imprisonment without parole sentences for all children 17 or younger. So essentially, if you'd been 13 or 14 convicted of a crime, sentenced to death row at the time of that crime, they actually reversed that and banned that. And they have, and his staff have won reversals, reliefs, reliefs for over 135 wrongly convicted or condemned prisoners on death row, and they've won relief for hundreds of more. And in recent years, there was actually, if you Google um, CBS 60 Minutes, a really fascinating interview with Brian Stevenson a few months ago that I was watching. Um, He's really, uh, they're continuing to do their justice work, but in the past few years, his work has really focused more on education. Um, surrounding the history of slavery, lynching throughout our history, reminding that the story of slavery, the story of Jim Crow laws, still affects our narrative and story today. And actually, our kids pastor, Ty, was just home in Alabama, and she got to go visit his brand new um, museum that opened up, which documents the history of lynching, and she said it was just an incredibly profound um, place to go. So again... I'm not going to spend the whole sermon talking about him, but just kind of wanted to set you up as a backdrop of that today. Really great work. 
But this movie, Just Mercy, doesn't actually focus on any of that, what I just talked about, okay? It actually focuses right when he's a young lawyer coming out of Harvard, probably in his 20s, okay? He moves down to Alabama to start this Equal Justice Initiative because as a college student, as an in, he had an internship, and he saw the plight of all these people who were on death row who oftentimes were marginalized and didn't have fair representation. And he meets a man named Walter, Walter McMillan, who's the other gentleman in that picture, okay? Now, Walter McMillan is on death row, and he believes, and Mike, or Michael B. Jordan, sorry, Brian Stevenson comes to believe that he is actually innocent of the crime. And so this movie goes through this story's process of the appeals they did, but more so on the friendship that they had. And I'd watched this movie a few years ago, and when, I, when uh, Gary asked me to preach this, I rewatched it, and I was struck as I watched the movie this time about one thing, and that was about the young Brian Stevenson and how he kept showing up in this moment. He moved down, he changed his life, right? In the face of racial slurs, of death threats, of bomb threats, of continually meeting just people who were constantly against him, he had hope. He kept going. He had hope that he could actually make a difference. He had hope in the greater picture of justice. And I was just like, what was that about him that made him do that? And what does it take to be a person like that, as we kind of transition to today, what does it actually look like to be a person of hope when you don't know that you're going to have a landmark case in front of the Supreme Court, when you don't actually know how you're going to pay for your bills the next day, when you don't actually know what tomorrow brings, okay? And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Now, how many of you have ever uh, Googled the image of hope? Sure, you all have better things to do. Oh, some people have. Okay, well, I did this for you, and this is one of my favorites, if you want to put it up. Okay, now, does this not epitomize hope of walk with a heart? Is that real life? No, right? Okay, and now, and if this is your screensaver, I apologize, or if this is your, you know, picture in your house, I apologize, because I'm going to make a little fun of it, okay? And now, don't get me wrong. I love beauty. I love nature. I find hope in that, and life, but I think we sometimes only view hope as this, right? This perfect crescendo, when everything is good, when everything is fine, like at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, and, and it has worked out, and that is when we can have hope, when in reality, hope is actually the driving force. It's actually tough, raw, and a fight that it is to have hope. I was out with one of my really, really good friends who knows me really well a few weeks ago, and she looked at me, I forgot what we were talking about, and she goes, well, you know you're a pessimist, right, Jesse? And, and I went, what? And I set down my nacho I was about ready to eat, and she goes, nobody's told you that? And I went, no. And she said, well, you kind of tend to err more on the side of hopelessness instead of hope. And then I went, well, I'm actually preaching on hope in a few weeks. <laughs> and she raised her glass to me, and she said, well, good luck with that. And <laughs> yeah, and I say that to let you know that I struggle with hope. I'm going to be really vulnerable and honest. And in fact, waking up every day and believing not only, right, that it's a driving force, that it's a, that it's a good thing, I struggle with it. And um, Sorry, I totally lost my notes. Da, 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 da. Okay. There we go. I think I'm good. Okay. And I struggle with it, okay? 
And so I tell you that today as somebody who is still on this hope journey with you. All right? Uh, perfect. Here we go. Sorry, I changed my notes around. Okay? But if there's one thing I'm learning about, it's actually that hope is our driving force. And as the more and more I learn about God's kingdom, the more and more I experience, I'm realizing that hope is this muscle. It's the spiritual discipline that I need every day and through circumstances to work in and out. Um, I have a minor scoliosis in my back that I was diagnosed with when I was in high school. I was a dancer, and so when I would turn, I would keep tilting to the floor. And they finally, they thought I was just a bad turner, but they actually figured out it was because my, my spine was actually a little curved. And one of the things I found, I've kind of, I've always had neck and, neck and head pain because of that. And one of the things I have found that is if I do daily exercise that focus on my core muscles, it actually can really alleviate the pain in other parts of the body. See, I have to strengthen certain muscles in order to continue to engage in my life without pain and to be able to show up. And I think we sometimes think that hope just appears, right? We're going to find a rock with a heart and everything's going to be okay. But it's actually not. It's something we have to build endurance to. And so today I want to talk about that muscle of hope and what it looks like to maintain a hopeful presence, what it looks like to be a hopeful person and what it looks like to bring that hope for today and tomorrow. So I'm going to pray, we're going to read the scripture, and then we're going to get going. All right. Well, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come today. And, and as I was walking this morning, actually my prayer was this. God, I pray that my words would completely get out of the way of what you want to tell people today. I pray, God, that you would be so deeply working in our hearts and in our minds and in our life in this moment, God, that you would be touching us, that you would be showing us your presence, God. And I just pray for an immense blessing and presence on everybody here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're going to look at a verse in Romans. Gary actually talked about this a few weeks ago, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in depth today. So Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. All right, now, we're going to kind of take a look at this verse and what it actually looks like then to carry hope into our lives for today and tomorrow. All right. At the beginning, this is written by the Apostle Paul, okay, who was one of the, the church leaders at the time um, of the early church. And Paul is reminding us, okay, that Jesus, in an act of great love, came down from heaven to earth, right, in the form of Jesus, and died on our sins. And through that, when we have faith in him, we have peace that we are going to be with him forever. Now, for some of you, what I just said, you've known this news for years, and it's kind of like broccoli to you at this point. Now, just bear with me, right? Now, how many of you know that broccoli is really good for you? How many of you like eating broccoli? Okay, again, we're healthy, all right? Now, Right? But you know, you simply eat it, right? In our house, it's on the weekly rotation as a good vegetable that you eat, right? My kids can say, really, broccoli again? And it's like, no, 
this is something that's really good. And now and then we'll throw an extra spice in it, right? A new seasoning from the garden or something like that. But you're used to it. Now, for others of you, how many of you hate broccoli? Okay, there's some of you who are very strong hate broccoli people, right? You may be hearing what I just talked about, Jesus coming down to the cross, that we have hope in him, dying, right, for our sins, is something new. Maybe it's not something you've heard for a while again. And it's like this strange thing in you, but yet inside, when you eat broccoli, it's a different taste, right? But yet you know it's good for you, and there's something in there for you in that. And I have to admit, I'm in the broccoli category, right? I've known Jesus coming down to earth, dying on the sin since I was five years old, okay? And sometimes it can be really easy to just kind of take that for granted, right? To say, oh yeah, I know that part of the story, right? That's actually, I don't need to deal with that anymore. That's not affecting me now. When in reality, it's actually the biggest gift, the biggest thing that we can be reminded of each and every day. And I'm more and more grateful that the more I experience my life, the more I get closer to Jesus, I am reminded more and more that God's redemptive work that started in the cross is alive and well in me today. And see, when I'm reminded of that story, I know that I have a story too. And so we run the race that God talks about, right? And our hope is with him and that we know that when we're a part of this big God story, we can be with him forever because he died on the cross for us. About a few years ago, my mom passed away, and I have two boys. And at the time, my youngest was, uh, or my oldest was five. And he was really close with my mom. Um, his name is Reese. And we were uh, telling him she was visibly, like, getting sicker. And, uh, you know, you could tell she was not going to make it. And so we, Josh and I, my husband, started talking to him, you know, and we'd be like, okay, Reese, you know, we're, we're praying for Grandma, but, you know, we think she's, you know, she's going to die. And what that means is that when she dies, because she believes in Jesus, we believe she's going to go to a place called heaven, and she's going to be with him forever. And he kind of looked at us, and he's like, okay. And we're like, and you know what heaven is? She's not going to have cancer, and she can walk. At that point, she couldn't walk. So she passed away, and I remember I was, I was terrified to tell them, right? That's kind of not in the parenting manual, right? How do you, you know, tell your kids grandma died? And so I sat down, and Josh and I kind of, they were playing, and I said, Reese, I need, I need to tell you something, honey. And I was obviously a little emotional. And he goes, okay. And I said, so, you know, Grandma's been sick. And, and he goes, yeah. And I said, well, honey, you know, a few hours ago, Daddy and I were there with, with Bethy and Rachel, your aunties. And I said, and Grandma's not here anymore. She, she's, she died. And I remember just in that moment, the, the world spinning in my head, and I was trying to hold back tears and maintain composure for my five-year-old. And I looked at him, and he looked at me. And he didn't say a word, and he just said, so that means she's running, right? And I went, what? Like, no, honey. Like, Grandma, Grandma died. Like, she's not here anymore. And he goes, no, Mommy. And he almost got really firm with me, right? And Josh, at this point, had stopped and looked, and he goes, you told me that when she died, she would not have cancer anymore, and that she would be perfect, and that she could do all the things that she did before she had cancer. So, Mommy, Grandma's running with Jesus, right? And I mean, Josh and I just broke. I mean, it was like, you know, and I, I, I like, I, we were like, yep, like, you have just, like, fundamentally, like, reminded us of God's story, of the redemptive power. And I know he was five, right? Like there was mourning and things like that, but he walked away and to him, the grandma that he had seen crippled, right? And in pain, 
it was better because she was with Jesus and she was okay. And our little three-year-old goes, well, is she playing basketball because she can run now? And we're like, maybe, I don't know what that says in the Bible, but that's been our line. Whenever we get really hopeless now in our family and we get sad, we go, well, grandma's running. And that's been an image that has stayed with me. Sorry, I didn't mean that to be sad, okay? I hope that's encouraging, it is. But honestly, that has stayed with me in really hard times, that hope that my five-year-old reminded me of that bigger story, right? And those don't come every day. And if I'm honest with you, if you had asked me this a few years ago, I would have said, that's hope. Like, that is hope in Jesus. And it is, right? I'm not saying it's not. That is the only hope that we need to have, right? This earth has a hard times. There's cancer. There's injustices. There's children throwing tantrums. I mean, there's, there's hard things. But man, someday in heaven, everything's going to be made right. But that is not the only hope that God calls us to. And that's not the only hope that he brought to earth with Jesus. See, Paul is really honest about it in those verses in Romans, right? When he says, no, it's not, hope's not just something you deposit into. Yes, you are loved, but I have given you the Holy Spirit because I love you, and I've given you the Holy Spirit, so while you're not alone, you can hope in me, and you can do things through suffering, through perseverance, and through character. There's not just a hope for the future. There's a hope for today that we need to engage to, and we need to believe in. Okay, now, God tells us there's going to be hope. But hope doesn't mean that there won't be pain. And when things we hope for in this world, right, I sat there with my five-year-old going, oh my gosh, you're right, Grandma's running. And I really wish she was here running with you, right? There's hope for things that we risk pain, right? Sometimes in facing the suffering, and this is what I can do, really hard things in life, we avoid it and we miss out on the opportunity to practice hope. Um, Brian Stevenson, the, the lawyer in the movie Just Mercy, actually has a really good book, too, that I would recommend titled Just Mercy. I forgot it in my office, otherwise I would have it as a visual. And when I picked it up to read it about a month ago, I assumed it was going to be about him, right? You know, really successful person, really great speaker, really great writer, talking about his life, the things he's learned. There was probably three pages, I would say, in the whole book on his recollection and of his thing. You know what this story is about? It is chocked full of stories of other people. It is full of stories of 14-year-olds, devastating stories, okay? 14-year-olds who had horrible circumstances growing up, were forced into crimes, and they've been on death row for 20 years and have grown up in jail. Stories of mentally ill patients who nobody just kind of even thought they deserved representation. And Brian Stevenson coming in, worldwide guy, right? Writing letters with a man that struck me who had, was writing at a second grade level but corresponded weekly with him for months and sat down time and time again in a death row cell with him and in a visiting room and simply just said, hey, can you tell me your story? Can you tell me? Who are you behind all of this? See, because what Brian Stevenson learned, and he does write about this, is hope is just not a future-orientated desire belief, right? It's an action step. It's, it's an action step of risking enough to let hope build in us for my, not only myself, but for others. And it's fact. It's a lot what Jesus did when he was on earth and going up to people and sitting. So my youngest son, a few years ago, um, broke his leg when he was um, sledding, actually. He was five. Five-year-old was not a good year for my children, I realized, as I was putting this sermon together. 
And, you know, and so we, we, he was in a walking cast for a few weeks, and we're like, great, the cast is off, the bone's healed, he's going to be fine. And he was actually, if any of you have ever broken a leg, he was walking with a pretty significant limp. And so he, uh, and the, they, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. And, and he was, you know, it was healed, but he, he was really struggling emotionally. He had um, broken a leg, which when you're five can be a bit traumatic. And he... Um, just was like really struggling. He couldn't keep up with his older brother and friends. And I remember distinctly one Sunday, he was trying to run around with the kids here and he collapsed on the floor and said, I hate this, my leg is broken, I can't do anything anymore. And as a parent or anybody, when you see somebody suffering next to you, it's really hard to have hope. When you're like, no, honey, you know, you broke your leg, you're gonna be okay. And he's like, no, I'm not, mommy. This is, this is not working. And I remember it got really bad. He was getting incredibly um, anxious, incredibly just sad and kind of withdrawing from us. And so we were sitting in the back. It was during the pandemic, so kids were in here. And I remember God saying to me, I was holding Simon as his name, and God just said, Jesse, you need to hope for him and you need to go up and ask for prayer for him. And I said, well, but what if it doesn't work, God? Like, I know he'll be perfect in heaven, but what if it doesn't work? And he goes, Jesse, you need to go up and ask prayer. So I, I kind of whispered to Simon, thinking he would say no, like, hey, Simon, can we, can we go ask for prayer? And he goes, yes. Now, when your child says yes, what do you do? You run. Like, I think I, I probably looked like a crazy person. So I grabbed him, right, ran, and I found the closest person up here who was praying. And, I, you know, we kind of explained the situation. And she put his hand on his leg and, you know, come Holy Spirit, and she simply said, Lord, will you please straighten Simon's muscles? She kind of paused, and she goes, okay, I think that's all God has. And it was all I could do to be like, really, lady? Really? <laughs> I got my five-year-old here. We got masks on. Like, this is all. This is all the Holy Spirit has for me. Really? And I kind of looked at her, and I'm like, okay, let's, let's go back. Well, that next day, we went to the chiropractor appointment with him, and um, she goes, what happened? And I went, what do you mean? Is something wrong? And she said, his leg, Jesse, his muscles are completely loose. And I watched him walk then. And I, Josh and I kind of looked at each other, and I was tucking him into bed that night, and I said, Simon, you're not limping. And he goes, no, Mommy, don't you remember you were there? We prayed, and Jesus healed me. <laughs> and I like, I know. Now, and vulnerable, that was like one of those moments where I was like, oh yeah, God. See, in my fear of not being disappointed, in my fear of trying to actually protect him, right, from experiencing the pain of hope not happening, I had almost lost the chance to hope. I had almost not engaged. And if I'm completely honest, yesterday I was with that same child on the trampoline as he was screaming and kicking at me, his leg fully functioning, and I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, God, like, and I'm like, what is going on? And I literally remember thinking, I am starting to lose hope with this kid. Right? I'm starting to lose hope with this relationship I have. I'm starting to lose hope that this job is never going to work out. I'm starting to lose hope that this thing is, like, just not working. And God just, like, slowly came to me again. I mean, he always does this when I preach. It's, like, the most humbling thing to preach because, like, you know, you talk about this and you're like, am I doing this? And he just goes, Jesse, remember the times I've shown up for you and remember that my hope will not disappoint. It's really hard. I do not want to sugarcoat hope. Can you guys tell that? 
I think hope is raw, it's tough, and it's this muscle, it's endurance that we keep stepping forward with to engage with God in the hope what he's doing, not just in the future, but what he's doing now and today. So I had this permission. I ran this by Gary, so you don't think I'm throwing him under the bus. But uh, Gary and I are two really different people. Like, we were in a meeting this week with a board member, and the board member kind of looked at us and goes, wow, you really approach things differently. And it's so much fun, okay? And it is, isn't it, Gary? It's super fun. We both learn a lot, um, right? I mean, if you look at us, just, just our life circumstances. He grew up African-American man on the cities of Baltimore. I grew up in northern Minnesota in a town of 1,200 people with the only stoplight in the county people. I mean, it was a big deal, okay? All right? And one of the ways we, th we approach things differently is actually hope, okay? Now, we both believe, right? Jesus came. He gave us life. And there's hope, right, in this world, right? But I have a tendency to be like, oh, you know what? Things are really bad, but God's going to make everything perfect in heaven. Like, we'll be okay, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay, but, you know, everything will be perfect. Let's just kind of keep doing our things here. And, and that's the hope I really want to focus on, right? That's the hope I really want to engage in. Now, Gary leads the other way. He looks at me when I say that, he goes, yeah, but we've got hope now, Jesse. We have to do action now. We need to do justice now. We need to do the work now. Like, why? No, you can't wait till the future. No, no, no. We need to do stuff now. And the truth is, in my humble opinion, I think we're actually both right. Right? We're both right. There is that both and, and we need each other to live in hope together. See, we live in a world of tension, my friends. Okay? And I don't think tension is always bad. Like sometimes people say like, oh gosh, we're disagreeing about this. Or oh, you know, there was a one poor staff member that was like, are you two okay? And we're like, yeah, we're just having a great conversation about how to engage in this, right? Tension is not bad. Because when we follow Jesus, he gives us the peace and the hope to actually let us sit in the tension with each other. So let us sit in the tension with people that we don't see eye to eye on. With the Holy Spirit, we can go in and out of that tension together. See, we need a hope for today and tomorrow. And Jesus provides us with that hope, building that muscle of hope. So do you remember the picture of the hope rock I'm calling it that I showed you at the beginning? Okay. I actually think a more accurate picture of a person of hope is something like this, if you want to put up that second picture. Now, this is a picture of a sculpture named Henry Moore. Did I say that right name? The Kim, did I say it right? Okay, I'm checking with my sculpture artist friend here. Now, Henry Moore actually was a, an incredibly famous um, sculptor who did a lot of his work after World War II. He had actually fought in the world, uh, in, in the war, and came back really changed. And, okay, so I'm not an artist, so this is what I Googled, okay, so all the art people can talk to me afterwards, but... At the time, he really went against the artistic world because at that point, sculpture was very fine and detailed. They wanted very intricate, specific things. And what he realized is that the world could not be defined in simple, very direct lines. And so he actually used a lot of raw material. There's lots of uh, people sculptures. And he always left a few flaws in his work, right? Because it was organic material. And today you can find his work in many places across Europe. He's extremely celebrated. But he has a quote that I read in a book that I want to share with you today that I think summarizes what this is about this building this muscle of hope. And it says, Henry Moore says, the secret of life is to have a task, something to devote your entire life to, 
something to bring everything to, every minute for the rest of your life. And the most important thing is, it must be something you possibly cannot do. See, he worked his entire life on sculpting, right? Creating beauty out of stone, right? Even in the face of critics saying, man, this is really bad. Even in the face of trauma from fighting in a war. And yet, even as he became celebrated at the end of his life, he knew his work didn't actually ever reach perfection. He knew his work could, probably could have always been a little better, but his work changed the face of art moving forward. And my friends, the work of the kingdom, right? The work of showing up as a hopeful person, the work that Brian Stevenson is doing, right? In fighting injustice, the work of going into a classroom and, and showing up with kids and, and teaching that, the work of going into a hospital and sitting in front of a patient and, and listening to them, the work of, of, of showing up in relationships, of community, if that's in your neighborhood, your school PTA, your church community, right? And saying, I'm gonna sit with you in the tension and we are gonna hope together, even though there is cancer, even though children are throwing tantrums on trampolines, even though the world can seem overwhelming and scary. The work of the kingdom, my friends, and God's story is not something we can ever accomplish in our own accord, and it's actually something that we won't accomplish in our lifetime. And that, my friends, should give you hope. No, that's weird, but that should give us hope. Because Jesus came to earth and died. In his great big story, we all get a role to play, but he's got the defining factor, okay? And that same God that came to earth sent the Holy Spirit to be with us constantly so we could experience his presence and his hope today and tomorrow. See, God is with us and he's for us. And as we exercise that muscle of hope, I think that's one of the things that we can most remember, okay? When things don't work out, we still have peace and we still have hope. And I want to end with a quote. There's different variations of this from Brian Stevenson. This was done um, quite a few years ago, I think, when he did an interview with Oprah. I just want to end with this. Hope is the thing that gets you to stand up when other people tell you to sit down. And I am persuaded that hope is our superpower it's what allows us to overcome, to endure, and then achieve. So here's my question to you. Here's the invitation to you, I believe, that God, I know, constantly asks me, and I believe he wants to give you the opportunity to answer today. Where is God inviting you to hope? Right? It's a muscle. It's endurance. And that doesn't just show up, but where is God inviting you to hope? Maybe it's in something for today. Maybe there's a struggle, a relationship, a job. I don't know. We all come with different stories. We all come with our unique struggles, and God cares for that. Maybe it's something for today. Maybe you're having a really big time with the big picture of God's story. Maybe that broccoli has gotten really rotten, and you just want to throw it out, and you're like, I know Jesus died, but man. I mean, the church, Christianity, today, wherever we're at, this is just not working for me. But God is there and he's saying, yeah, maybe. But where is that invitation for hope in both of those? And where is God asking you today? So I want you to think about that throughout the week. And also, if you think that you would really kind of pressing on that, you can slip it on your Connect Guard too, and we will be praying for that. So at this point, I'd like to invite the worship team to come up.
And we are going to enter into a time of worship. All right? You may sit. You may stand. Use this time to engage with God. And at this time, I'd also like to invite the ushers to come forward. That Connect card that Gary talked about um, before I came up here, they're going to be passing those baskets around. You can drop any offering you have in there in the Connect cards. And I'm just going to close us in prayer. Is that okay, Amy? And then we can get going. All right, with more songs. Lord, I thank you for being a God of hope. I thank you, God, that in the most hopeless situations, you give hope. And I pray right now, God, wherever anybody is at, wherever, if they're in the best part of their life, the worst part of their life, or the mediocre days in and days out, I pray, God, that you would offer a new invitation to hope for us a new way of seeing your work in our life, in our midst, a new risk of faith, a new love of faith, God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would come to us in your gentle way. I pray against any type of shame, any type of harsh conviction, God, but that you would be a God that is inviting and loving and that you would show up for us today in a brand new night. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for being here. And we pray, God, that we could just embrace who you are right now. Amen.